little bastards, and welcome back to another episode of Serial Killers and Chill, brought to you by Tara and Bambi. <laughs> so today we got a mini cast, and it's Bambi's turn to tell a story, and I get to just shut the fuck up, look cute, and listen. And the fun part about this is that not only is this going to go up on the Facebook page, but it's also going to go up on, you know, live. So this is actually going to be a video. I'm going to be doing graphics and everything else like that, like I did last time with the little minis, uh, with the little previews that we that we saw last time. But this will actually legitimately be a mini. It'll be up for you to listen and to watch too. So we're gonna we're gonna try to keep it within 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah, but we're both pretty long-winded. So good luck with that. <laughs> All right, January 27th. 1996, Perth, Ooh, Australia. We're at in Australia? Perth. Okay. Perth. Uh, so, you know how Australia is kind of, you know, never eat soggy waffles? Bottom left, you know the curve that kind of comes over here by Africa? Yeah. Right kind of down towards that end of the curve, that little point at the, the western half of Australia, down south there. So Sydney's, oh, okay. yeah, so Sydney's over here, Perth is on the other side. Is it, is it like highly populated or? Yeah, Perth is a pretty, pretty heavily populated. It, it's, it's not like Sydney crazy, but Perth is a, it's a, it's a pretty decent, it's a pretty decent one. It's pretty decent. Okay. It's a pretty big city. Uh, Sarah Spires had just left downtown uh, club in the suburb of Claremont, which is located in Perth, Australia at about 2.06 a.m., she leaves her group of friends to go grab a taxi as she is done with her night and wants to go home. She walks with, she actually talks with the bouncer of the club for just a brief moment before she walks to a phone booth to call Swan taxis for a ride. The taxi then arrives three minutes later and she's gone. Three men who had been at the intersection just ahead of her were doing what men were doing and checking out a beautiful woman who was just standing alone on the street and were even wondering if she was going to be okay. As they turned, they saw a car approaching their six, or from behind them, and then the light turned green. After a brief discussion, the three men decided that she would be okay, as it is Claremont, after all, in Perth in 1996. The car didn't pass the intersection that they, that they had turned through, and Sarah Spires, who was 18 at the time, would never be seen from again. Okay. So in the span of three minutes from calling a taxi to three men pulling up at an intersection... And the taxi actually arriving at her location at 2.09 a.m. She was abducted and disappeared. Just fart in the fucking wind. Poof. Yeah. Huh. All right. I, I would say a fart in the wind, but uh, that's a little bit of foreshadowing there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It, it wasn't. It was. It's not the best foreshadowing, but it, it, there there is some foreshadowing there. Sixth uh, of June, nineteen ninety six. Jane Rimmer and her friends were doing rat bag things. Rat bag is Aussie slang for stupid or eccentric things that young people do. Rat bag. Yeah. Oh, I am totally using that with the kids. Totally. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, I had watched a documentary on the on the whole thing, and it was really funny because they were talking like about like uh, all the things that they do, and they were using a lot of Australian slang. I was like, I gotta use rat bag. That is just too awesome. I love that. That's that's like uh, what's the word? Uh, filibustering. Fi I filibustering. Mm, filibustering. 
What? You're just fucking around. Oh, oh, yeah. I feel the buster. Okay, I thought I thought there was like some some other slang or some stupid shit like that. But yeah, so uh, J- uh, they were actually in their twenties after all. Jane was twenty three at the time. One of her female friends actually described her as gorgeous. They were out at a club, as the Aussies and the Brits might say. Um, instead of saying like, "Oh, I'm going to," uh, they they have this. Uh, the Australians and the the Australia was a British colony for a very long time, and they use a different. I'd, I'd call it a vocational language, like how they the, call it the disco. The, yeah. Well, like the Brits will say that they went on holiday or they went to hospital um, or they went to club. Whereas like we go, hey, we're going clubbing, club hopping, you know, we went to the hospital or, you know, we're going on a, a vacation. They use these really different slangs. And I've noticed that the Aussies really have uh, picked up on that that slang. But uh, funny enough, uh, they were going club hopping. And they ended up at the same club that Spears, Sarah Spears, had ended up Club Bayview. The line was very long, and everyone in the group wanted to go back to one of the one of the uh, friends' group's apartments just to drink and party more. They boarded into Swan Taxi, and Jane decided that she didn't want to leave. She decided that she wanted to stay. Her friend had stated, quote, that maybe she wanted to meet someone. That's what you do when you go out. You want to meet that special someone, end quote. As to po- as to why she you know possibly wanted to stay back, but I don't think a club would be the best place to meet your forever person. No, no, that's uh, that's where you're that's where you meet your tonight person. <laughs> you meet your tonight person. She <laughs> she was last seen on CCTV laughing at a mysterious man's comments and then checking her watch. Twenty eight seconds later, she's gone. There was a glitch in the CCTV. CCTV footage and the last images were of her checking her watch outside the Club Bayview Hotel and then she had been and then she was disappeared out of the scene. They don't so know. So she was actually caught on television? She was caught on television laughing at an individual's joke as the man was coming this way. She was standing against a pole here. A man was coming this way. So we never got to see the man's face because the camera was pointed down this, uh, was actually pointed this way. Oh, so we could see her face but there's this mystery man that's walking this way and he had made a passing comment because she looks at him, laughs, and then the man continues to walk and move on, and then she checks her watch, and then she's gone. So you mean she was seen on a surveillance camera? Yep, she was seen on a surveillance camera. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, for the rest of us who don't speak. What well, CCTV is closed-circuit television. I Yes. Yes. I, I get that, but surveillance like like the club surveillance cameras yeah yeah the club surveillance cam- yeah yeah i was looking for that clarity oh okay sorry i was like how do you not know what cctv is you, you should know these things <laughs> 15 march 1997 sierra glennon who is actually a very smart lawyer who spoke spoke fluent japanese i don't know why they included this uh who spoke fluent japanese was abducted near a club close to Bayview. So the club Bayview, there's a bunch of clubs, like apparently in, in the Claremont area, there's a bunch of clubs just centered around this area where people just go clubbing and club Bay- Bayview, I guess was a real popular one, but there's many clubs that were around it. Um, she was partying at, at a hotel called the continental. Apparently they have a dance floor upstairs. Uh, she too had decided that she had had enough of the night's festivities and decided that since she lived so close, she would just walk home. A group of men 
had noticed a, a young, good-looking lawyer walking home. One even called out that she was, quote, crazy for hitchhiking at that time of night, end quote. They say she had, um, they saw her actually talking to someone in a light-colored vehicle, but with a late hour, because this was at, like, midnight, they couldn't really tell the police any more than it was a light-colored vehicle. They looked away for a brief moment, and she was gone along with the car. All right. 19 days later, on April the 3rd, her semi her semi-clothed body was found by a family foraging for fungus uh, 40 kilometers away uh, north in the bush as the Aussie call it or basically 25 miles for us uh, idiots so is this like the first body they've found they, the other girls are just missing without a trace well Spears I, I okay Spears has never been found okay so to this day she's never been found to this day she's never been found um, I think, uh, if I remember, Jane was found too, but it was a very unremarkable find. It was, oh. um, the, it, it was just, uh, when they were talking about how, cause I remember in the documentary, as well as some of the research that I had done, she, Jane, uh, uh, oh yeah, Jane, she, it was, it was just basically one of those, they found a dead body, you know, that, that's pretty much what it was. It wasn't, it wasn't remarkable. It, it, it didn't really have any footnotes like with, um, Sierra or Miss Glennon, you know, a, a family found her 40 miles North in the bush. Cause the, the Perth is, um, I don't know if you know anything about Western Australia, but basically everybody's on the East coast. Everybody hangs out on the East coast. And then the rest of Australia is basically just a giant fuck desert, uh, of bush and nastiness. So they just found her in the bush about 40 kilometers away. So, Oh, okay. And you said semi-clothed. Yep. Her semi-clothed body was found, uh, by a family foraging for, for fungus. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, foraging through fungus is family time. The Aussies are, the Aussies are Aussies. (laughs) I mean, fuck, look at, look at Steve Irwin. Look at their, look at their ambassador, you know, Robert Irwin and all those guys. So within 40, 48 hours after Spears had disappeared, the case was actually taken up by what is known as the Major Crimes Squad. Basically, they're the detectives of Australia. So you know how we have the beat cops? Well, the Major Crimes Squad are basically their detectives. Once Jane had actually disappeared, the Western Australian police actually set up a special task force called MACRO, M-A-C-R-O, to investigate the two similar cases. So they moved fairly quickly. Uh, the Western... Yeah, the Western Australian government actually put up 250,000 Australian dollars or 181,000 US dollars for a reward for capture. This is the largest ever offered in the state for a crime. That's the largest? The largest ever. Wow, okay. And this was back in 1996-97. Well, all right, maybe that's why it seems so underwhelming to me. Yeah, I mean, I I was going to look up at the inflation and everything else like that to see kind of what it would be like in today's money. But I mean, still, even without inflation and even with, you know, it being 2020, that's still the largest that they've ever offered for information. Wow. Yeah. So they, they, were, pretty hard, they were pretty hardcore serious on this. The task force macro actually initially thought that the mystery man in the video or the vehicles, um, you know, the taxis might have been the perpetrators. But then they uh, they had changed they kind of had changed focus from the mystery man to the taxis because the taxis were usually the last the last to see the person alive you know 
they actually did a huge mass fingerprint and DNA testing exercise that was carried out by the police, uh, but nothing came of it. The only thing that really happened is that they were able to crack down on a bunch of illegal taxi services. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Semi win-win. Yeah, but still a shame. So they, they know there's a connection between all the girls. They, yeah, they figured out there was a, ch- a connection. Once Sarah went missing and then Jane went missing, they knew exactly. They're like, oh, shit, we have, you know, we have a similarity here. And then once uh, Sierra went missing, they're like, yeah, we know for a fact there's something crazy going on here. All right. So there's the commonality of the Swan Taxi and the Bay something or other club. Yeah, the, the Club Bayview. Bayview. Okay. Yeah. Uh, basically, um, you remember when you came up to visit me? Mm-hmm. And we went to the downtown area, you know, and I kind of yeah. showed you that little that little square that we have from the video because they were like outside Club Bayview when they were doing the documentary that I was watching. It looked a lot like that. It looked like one giant kind of square area where, every, you know, this is the this is where the bars are. This is where the clubs are. This is where this is your hangout hub. Yeah, this is the downtown oh. area that everybody goes to. OK. Yeah. All right. Uh, so. Like I said, they, they initially were focusing on those two things. There were actually a lot of great praises, but there were a lot of highly – the people highly criticized them uh, for the way that they handled the case as well as the praises. Macro had over 100 members across 10 teams working on the case. To avoid leaks, there was a strict confidentiality protocol that were used, and many facts were actually initially suppressed. Remember that CCTV that we actually talked about? Yeah. That wasn't actually released until August 28th of 2008 when season two, episode seven of the TV show Crime Investigation Australia aired for the first time to actually help in the investigation. They kept it under wraps that long? They kept it under wraps that long. Wow. The re- um, I actually, that's the documentary that I actually watched. It's called CIA Crime Investigation Australia. Season two, episode seven is where they talk about this whole thing. Uh, the reason why they kept it under wraps and the reason why they waited so far till 2008, because when they initially watched the CCTV, the mystery man is somebody that they really would have focused on. You know, they, yeah. they didn't, they didn't, it, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like when you have a sneaky suspicion about something, they didn't want, they didn't want the public to focus solely on that man. They wanted all the evidence. They wanted everything. You know, they wanted to be able to focus on a bunch of things and not just that one individual. Aha. All right. That makes sense. Some of their criticisms as well, too, is that their line of questioning for the 110 suspects that they actually had that came under fire from the unorthodox method. Well, remember, these are clubs, you know, where lots of people are and there's lots of individuals on these CCTVs where they can fit, you know, these last, these are the last people that they've seen. One of the questions that they, you know, that they would actually ask these suspects was, are you the killer? They would just straight come out and ask, are you the killer? Yeah. Okay. There's got to be like some kind of, you know, psychological ninja reasoning for that, right? Not actually 100% sure what, uh, where the hell that came from. Yeah, it's bold. It's very fucking bold. Uh, they were also heavily critiqued for the use of international help. They called in you know, profilers from the U.S., from Europe. They got a lot of international help, and they actually imported a lie detector, a lie detection uh, machine. That a wow. lot, yeah, a lot of people were actually pretty upset about all that, about how we were, they were asking for international help, and they used a lie detector. 
You've got how many missing girls? Three. And how many suspects? 110. And you want to pitch a little bit of a fucking fit over international assistance and one off-key question? Well, international help, one off-key question, and a lie detector that they didn't have. Apparently, they brought in... Well, you remember, lie detectors were pretty fucking big, but there was a lot of... There's always been that... uh, that controversy that they're not always 100% correct. Yeah, okay. There's that. But it is an additional tool. Mm-hmm. And you would think that the general public would be more interested in utilizing any tools available to at least locate the bodies. Well, so far, two, two of them two have been found. Uh, Sierra and Jane were actually found relatively quick uh well i wouldn't say relatively quick but i'm sorry there's helios losing his mind but uh they they were found they were found like within a couple of days like i I remember i said sierra was like 19 days or something like that i think jane was only a couple days later she was found dead but sarah has never been found so i mean it 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 is a little sad but you know with all the help that they're using you would think that they would uh they would be a little bit more open to it um, they were actually subject to 11 reviews. One was, uh, the, the reviews are a little bit different in Australia. Um, you know, the cold case files. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, basically it's a review of the cold case. Basically, uh, one of the invest, uh, what they do is they bring in a new set of eyes and then they look at everything. That's what they do. They basically look at everything. Uh, they were subject to 11 different reviews, even one in 2004 by led by Paul Schramm who had led the Snowtown investigations. Snowtown, that's the one I was talking to you about. You were talking to me last night about Snowtown. It is Snowtown. Uh, For those of you who don't know what Snowtown is, basically it was a series of murders by three persons in Adelaide, South Australia, where they found 11 victims in barrels in an abandoned bank vault. There was a, and I don't know if it's still on there, there was a Netflix movie about it years ago. I got probably, I don't know, 30 minutes or so into it. They were going into detail about the killers. Mm-hmm. And some of the in-depth detail kind of made me, no thank you. Yeah, they, there were some pretty fucked up individuals. There's some you, there's plenty of YouTube documentaries out there about them. But if if you want something really fucked up, Snowtown is, is most definitely what it is. Just as a heads up, though, if you do look up the uh, the Netflix movie, you need to be okay with uh, male rape. Mm-hmm. Not as in a male raping, a male being raped. Yep. There is some... That that was where I had to turn it off. Yeah, there, there's some messed up stuff about Snowtown. But um, he, Paul Shrum was the dude. He was a lead investigator. Uh, also, I... I there is part of the documentary and I'll probably find it and take a screenshot of it, but he's got a baller, a baller beard. Like he's got the big old stash and then he's got the chops that come down and cut straight across. And it's, it's just this little triangle that comes here to a stash. It fills out a stash and it goes on the other side. It's, it is absolutely hilarious. I tried for 20 minutes to find this dude's to find a picture of it better. Can't find anything. Oh, 
Yeah. I'll have to go to the documentary where you can barely tell, but I'll, I'll flash a photo of it up or something like that. Um, as with many cases, you know, they, they had brought in that international help and they brought in experts and profilers. A, a lot of the profilers suggested that the suspect was going to be a single white male, 25 to 35 years, who actually resided in the Claremont area. They appeared trustworthy. We see in a pattern here. Uh, organized. They were very social butterfly and well-educated. Local sex workers were actually told to be on high alert for anything strange that they came across. Well, in Which, a- that's legal there, by the way. Yep. Well, in April of 1998, a public servant by the name of Lance William, who was actually 41 years old in 1998, had been brought to the attention of the authorities. He had been seen driving around the Claremont area late at night. He was actually recorded driving around the area 30 times. 30 times during a decoy operation. However, after six interviews in 2008, uh, or six interviews all the way, I think it was up to 2008 or whatever, but he was interviewed a lot. He was actually no longer considered a person of interest. But if you actually look at how old he was in 1998, he was 41 years old. That doesn't match the profiler at all. No, but still unusual. Mm Mm-hmm. So here's where it gets fun. Then DNA evidence linked a killer to the crime. An earlier crime in 1988 had DNA tested again to see if they had any matches to be found in the DNA database. A match actually occurred with the DNA that was found under the nails of Miss Glennon, which also matched swabs that were taken out of a rape from 1995 of a 17-year-old woman. There were no hits in 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 the big database, but police were able to zero in on the perpetrator of the crime because they were all linked. They went back to the drawing board and were able to match the fingerprints that were taken off of the man who attacked a social worker in 1990, who was released on probation. So they placed him under close watch for the time being to see what else they could find. The man and his stepdaughter went to the movies December 19th of 2016. He discarded a Sprite soft drink bottle. The cops grabbed it out of the rubbish, aka the trash bin, and the DNA sample had matched all three previous pieces of evidence. On December 22nd of 2016, Bradley Robert Edwards, who was 48 at the time of his arrest, was arrested in retaliation in relation to two of the three murders. This would have put him at the age of 28 when the murders occurred, which would have been right. right yeah, right in between the profiler's age range. He was also charged with uh, two other attacks on women, an 18-year-old and a 17-year-old, the, the 17-year-old that was raped. Uh, they didn't. They didn't charge him for that. He had gotten away with it, and there was a. It was a B and E. Uh, it was a break and entering for the eighteen-year-old. Basically, he. Uh, uh, what was? What, what do they call it? Um, unlawful restraint or something like that. He basically, yeah. It, I. He kidnapped her for a little bit. I guess. It, it, there wasn't much information on that, but in February of two thousand eighteen, he was actually charged with all three murders, and the trial began November twenty fifth of 2019 there was a significant amount of evidence against bradley with the fact that he drove actually a vehicle that was very specific to the vehicle that was seen trying to pick up the women as well as and it was quoted here parked outside the caracatta cemetery for no apparent reason before spears's disappearance you remember the boys that were uh, who called out to miss glennon that hitchhiking was crazy 
well, they were called the Burger Boys because I guess they were all sitting down eating burgers on the side of the road as they recalled remembering to see a company vehicle that they drove past looked a lot like the vehicle that had picked up the uh, that had picked up the lawyer, Miss Glennon. Uh, the vehicle that they found was his work vehicle it was Robert. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Robert Edwards's vehicle, Bradley Robert Edwards's vehicle. He worked for this big company. Um, basically, it would be like uh, it, it would be like um, oh god, how how would I how would I put it? It, it like you know when you see the local power company driving around, and you're like, oh, uh, that's you know Wisconsin Electric. It, yeah. It's it's one of those real recognizable vehicles that you're like, oh, that's uh, it was like Tesco or Teslo or some some fucking weird company. Um, but they were actually able to match the carpet that was used in the back of that vehicle to some of the fibers that were found on some of the ladies in four, in four of the, four of the five cases. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Bradley actually did plead guilty to all five counts against him. The trial concluded June 25th of 2020 after seven months of hearings and 200 plus witnesses. He is to remain in custody until his sentencing is handed down no later than September 24th of 2020. So, at no point did he give away where the first young lady really... He, he's, he's, not, he's not told him where Spears' body is. No bargaining or anything? I did as much research as I could... As much research as I could find. He... From what it sounds, um, I read like a, a bunch of articles, but basically from what it sounds like is that he, he gave up. He just, with all, they were like, this is the evidence we have against you. He's like, yeah, I'm guilty. And yeah. he's, he's not giving it an inch. He's not giving a mile. He's not doing anything. He's just, I'm guilty. He's, he pled guilty to all five murders. He's supposed to be released September 24th of 2020, but of course they're going to hand the, hand down the judgment before then. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. It's weird to think. It's weird to think that there are actually like, you know, currently active serial killers and stuff, because so many of the ones that we discuss or so many of the more popular ones, they've, they've already met their fate in the electric chair. Yeah. The reason why I chose um, this is actually called the Claremont, the Claremont killings. Um, the reason why I chose it, it was because you had said that you wanted an Aussie and I knew there was a couple of Aussies, you know, out there. I asked if you wanted, uh, you know, I, I gave you some options and you told me you wanted Aussie. Well, the reason why I ended up choosing him, cause I was going to do the Snowtown murders. I was going to do that just because really? I was going to do Snowtown. And, and I looked up some of the Australian serial killers just to kind of get an idea. Cause I know they've had a few and I mean, hell they started off as a, uh, um, a, a, uh, an inmate colony you know, for the Brits. So there was, there's some interesting individuals there. Um, I was going to do somebody, uh, I think his name was Bill, the Bush Ranger or something like that. Um, but I had misread his title. Uh, I thought he was like a serial killer, but he just robbed trains and shit like that. So I was like, ah, fuck, that's a bust. And then, and then I, I found, you know, of course the Snowtown murders and I know that you had mentioned it, but then the Claremont killings, there was uh, I found a YouTube video of this of this girl who was like Australian and was like ten minutes away from Claremont, and she was like they they finally arrested somebody and I looked at the dated video and I was like, that's like today, 
you know, that was like six months ago. So I thought, what better way to, what better way to, to do a mini than to do one that's up to date? Because I know you and I were talking about what about serial killers that are that may be happening now? What about active killers that may be happening now? And I thought it'd be kind of cool to, you know, bring something to the present day instead of talking about like the 60s and 50s and stuff. Okay. I am all for it. That's a nice change of pace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, this, um, this, uh, it was actually, it was actually, this one was a little bit more hard to find, uh, information on. Um, you know, of course I watched the documentary and the documentary was back in 2008. So that was still old information and then there was a bunch. There was a bunch of stuff on the Wikipedia page, but I like the Wikipedia page wasn't updated, so like I had to go find an alternative source because it was. It was. It's funny because in the Wikipedia page, it's like the taxi is the mysterious man. Bradley Robert Edwards, age forty eight, is arrested. And it's yeah, like nothing else really in between. Well, it, it's it's not like there wasn't anything in between, but it's like, how did you go from these people here? to Bradley Robert Edwards is, is arrested, <laughs> you know, December 22nd of 2016. It, 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 to me, it was one of those things where it's like, there's gotta be a progressive step here to how he gets caught. Where did they get caught? I actually had to enlist some help to find it. If you, if you really stop and think about it, you know, go back to it, say five, 10 years from now, Mm-hmm. There will have been more documentaries. There will have been interviews. You'll have more in-depth detail as to his upbringing, his childhood, his relationships. If you if you give it a little more time, you'll be able to gather more of that that uh, extra info to kind of psychoanalyze him. But with this being so recent, all that additional ooh isn't in there. But it's it's still freaky when you stop and you really think, fuck, okay, we discuss this all the time, mm-hmm. but we never really hit on the fact that there actually are active serial killers out there at this moment. Well, I mean, they did have a bunch of that psychoanalytic analyst stuff. They, they did. Um, they kind of went into some detail with it, but it really, it, it, it's, 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 it's basically like, Oh, you like you like Captain Crunch for breakfast cereal? Yeah, I like Captain Crunch too. You know, there's nothing to talk about. You you know, if if I like Captain Crunch and you like Captain Crunch, you know all about Captain Crunch. You know how the upbringings are. You, like, well, I, that, that's not I, a. If you like Captain Crunch, you have got to be a psycho because that shit tears the crap out of the roof of your mouth. But you know, like when you're talking with somebody about shit you like, you know, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I really like that too," and you're like, "Okay, well." He knows about the peanut buttery taste. He knows that it tears up the roof of your mouth, and that's just one of the hazards of eating Captain Crunch. He knows that sometimes the berries are a good addition. You know, the Captain Crunch all berries. You know, like there, there's all these things that you would normally talk about with somebody who doesn't know anything about it. That, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, when it's something brand new, great, let's introduce it. But they were spanked as a child. They had a rough upbringing. They blah blah blah. blah. You just you know all the information, you know, and. I mean, in all honesty, the only information that was out there was that his wife, his his first wife, got pregnant by his best friend, and they ran off together, and that was basically when everything started. So he already had a a sour opinion of the the 
the female population. Well, he had he had a bad incident that just kind of sent him uh, from from all the information that I got. It was just that one bad incident. His wife, I mean, shit. I had my fucking wife run off with one of one of my what I thought was best friends too. But I didn't just start murdering fucking eighteen year olds. <laughs> yeah, see, and that'll bring me back to something that I love to bring up. You are not a product of your environment. I I was spanked as a child. I grew up in a not so great household for a chunk of my life. I'm about as normal, with the exception of you know these discussions. I'm about <laughs> as normal as they come. I'm pretty boring. And I'm pretty mundane. Yeah. I have the desire to physically harm anybody else. I mean, like if I had a private investigator follow me, they'd be like, dude, he sits at his house all day. I don't know what he does. Like he just goes to work and then he comes home. Ooh, he grocery shops almost every night, but like that's it. But you know, that's it. So like, I just, I I find it strange how, you know, yeah, it sucked when my wife went off with one of my best friends, but like, what are you going to do? Like, Ooh, he, I was like, well, I guess I get to start over. <laughs> you know, it's like, I guess I get to find somebody better. You know, it's like, it's, I, I mean, that's a whole nother story for another time. Where's the fish in the sea? Yeah, you ever, ah, uh, did we, li- <laughs> well, have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen that picture of the shark swimming through the fish in the sea and they're giving him that wide berth? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to post that yeah. up here. But yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, it's just like, I just, I don't understand. Like, it, it's interesting just to see how one small incident just made him snap, you know, yeah. one small incident where a lot of people are just like, eh, life happens and then they get over it. You know, there's a little bit more that goes into it too, but. I mean, he, he wouldn't have snapped over something that frankly, we've all experienced something similar to it. Um, and none of us snap. Yeah. So he had to have been what 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 is the word I'm looking for? Predis- predisposed? Or, yeah, pre- or... uh, he would have had a predisposition. That's it. You're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> That's what comes from listening to all the serial killer documentaries. And... Yeah. <laughs> I know more about blood spatter than I probably <laughs> should. <laughs> so yeah, that that was the Claremont killings. Uh the turns out that there were a couple other incidences that that caused him to to get arrested but you know there's 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 still the um i think like if you if you just google claremont killings there will be a bunch of aussie uh aussie newsletters that pop up that you can read and stuff like that just have your ad blocker turned off they kind of get pissed off at you for that so (laughs) thank you for the heads up yeah you're welcome (laughs) all right kiddos well i've been bambi your storyteller for today Hi, I've been Tara, the unfortunate listener. All right. We're going to let you guys go. Uh, Like I said, this is going to go up on Facebook as well as it's going to be uh, up on the, you know, website. It's, it's a 37 minute video, but whatever, you know, you beautiful bastards deserve all of it. So we love your faces. (laughs) Bye-bye you little fuckers.